Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. I got a six-year-old in my calculus class in college and it's going to take my job. What is this nonsense? Comic Sans? Butler had never seen this film and I got the indication that he hated it. She's like, you pussy, get back in the game. He rebels against maturity by taking a job at a movie theater. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's me. At a video store. Well, this is now owned by Disney, so you're going to see a remake at some point. Hi, I'm Mike Butler. And I'm Mike Field. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. Each episode, we highlight a film that for a variety of reasons was forgotten by audiences. Whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the movie or maybe don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. If you enjoy our podcast, we want to hear from you. We're on Instagram and Facebook. Find us. Our podcast is available on all platforms with a backlog of over 175 episodes for your listening pleasure. What's going on? Uh, nothing much. I just uh, thought, you know, I was born a year ago, so I thought I'd have like this bitch ass party from 1988. You know, go a couple places and uh, have a crazy, have a couple, couple of crazy parties that don't actually exist in the real world. I wish they did. Did they say bitch ass in the eighties? I don't know if they did. Hmm. I said bitchin. You should, I thought you said bitch ass. I bitchin? did not say bitch ass. Hmm, interesting. Interesting. We are doing the 2011 film "Take Me Home Tonight." Um, not based on the song. Just it uses the song for the title. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Recent MIT grad Matt Franklin should be well on his way to a successful career at a Fortune 500 company, but instead he rebels against maturity by taking a job at a movie theater. Oh no, I'm sorry, that's me at a video store. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, oh, re- I wonder why you like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it, it spoke to me. Matt rethinks his position when his unrequited high school crush Tori walks in and invites him to an end of the summer party. With the help of his twin sister and his best friend, Matt hatches a plan to catch, excuse me, hatches a plan to change the course of his life. Eh, that's fine. I mean, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't catch that it was an end of the summer party, but okay. I didn't even, even thought of that. They mention it's his Labor Day party. Oh, ah, okay. Party. You're right. You're right. All right. Good job. Good job. Well, well played. Well played. Bad on me. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Take Me Home Tonight is a runtime of 114 minutes. It's rated R. Production budget of $23 million. Uh, came out on March 4th, 2011. That is, of course, a Friday. It's opening weekend. It did $3.4 million. Domestic, $6.9 million. International six hundred and twenty-two thousand for a worldwide total of seven point five million dollars. So not a hit at all. Um, and we'll get into a little bit why that was. Uh, production company was Imagine Entertainment and Rogue, distributed by Relative Relativity Media in the United States and Universal Pictures internationally. Relativity Media, uh, Rogue is a subsidiary of Relativity Media. I don't know if they still are. I don't even know if Rogue okay. is still around. When I saw that, I was like, Rogue. It, the logo looked familiar, but I was like, Are how many movies did they make and are they still around? Yeah. Like a lot I, my, fir- my first note for the viewing though is uh, remember I am rogue.com and I was going to go type it in and see if it still exists, but I never did. So <laughs> actually, <laughs> actually, you know what? I'm going to do it right now. I was going to say, I'm doing it right now. I am rogue.com. Let's see. Let's see. And 
And oh, not good. Not good. Nothing's coming up. I was going to say, it's just loading, <laughs> <Yeah>. loading. <laughs> so it's no more. <laughs> so I said this came out on March 4th, 2011, and it went up against in a wide release. A movie that, uh, two movies this weekend that we did for Forgotten Cinema Rango <laughs> and the Adjustment Bureau. So there's something about the uh, March 4th of 2011 that apparently we thought was a forgotten weekend. Nice. Oh, that, that would That would have been a perfect uh series of podcast episodes butler uh the forgotten weekend you know yeah right right too bad we're ending uh so (laughs) (laughs) you know so my release of beastly uh limited release of happy thank you more please and on the 5th of march you had red state come out in a limited release which was the kevin smith horror thriller film did you call it like a thriller well there yeah The week after March 11th, you had a wide release of Battle Los Angeles, which I unfortunately saw. Mars Needs Mom and Mars Needs Moms and Riding uh, Red Riding Hood, and then a limited release of Jane Eyre, Kill the Irishman, and Electra Lux. Uh, I saw all the wide release ones, not any. I think I saw Jane Eyre, but that's about it. I never saw Red Riding Hood. That's with uh, Amanda Seyfried. Yeah, it's it's all right. The it's trailer just, made it look really boring. And I was like, duh. Well, trailer was accurate. Uh, the 20, <laughs> 25th of, Mar- of February, the week before, you had a wide release of Hall Pass and Drive Angry. I remember when Hall Pass came out, all I had to hear from everybody after that was about how, who their Hall Pass was. I'm like, yeah, okay. You, 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 <laughs> oh, sure, buddy. Sure. <laughs> what was uh, Drive Angry? Drive Angry is with um, Nicolas Cage. And he's basically he's in a car. He's, he, I want to say, isn't, is, is it drive angry? Which is the one where his daughter's kidnapped and he's going after the, it's their kids. She's kidnapped by a cult and he is let out of man. That, that no, like no, 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 no. <laughs> is that no, no, I think drive angry or one of the, I think drive angry is that like William, uh, the, the, uh, not William Atherton. The, uh, well, the guy from Armageddon. Uh, let's see. Let's see. William Fickner. William Fickner. Yeah. Nicholas Cage, Amber Heard, William Fickner. A vengeful father escapes from yes. hell and chases after the man who from hell. his daughter yes. and kidnapped. What? Yes. He gets out of hell just to come and just to go after his uh, this, this cult that's taken his daughter. Yeah. I kind of want to see this movie. You've never seen it? <laughs> I've never seen this. Oh, I thought. No. Yeah, I, I saw this. I don't know who directed. Uh, directed by who directed this? Killed his daughter and kidnapped his granddaughter. Yeah, Patrick Lucier or Lucier. We've done a movie that that he did uh, that he directed. He's in one of our forgotten cinemas. The show has taken a turn. I was gonna say this is no <laughs> longer becoming uh, about Take Me Home Tonight. Listen, I was told that people like the tangents. So, uh, people love the tangents. So, let's see. Let's see. I'm into it. Edited curse. That might be what you're thinking of. Oh, yes. Yes. I am thinking of that. That's right. There you go. There you go. Nice. There were two sequels to Dracula 2000. What? (laughs) Sorry. I'm, I'm, you're down down the rabbit hole. (laughs) (laughs) You don't want to see Dracula Ascension? I mean, I kind of, I kind of do. You gotta watch Dracula the 2000 was bad, but but they could be worse. 
Now, yeah, now I'm curious. <laughs> All right, so let's bring it on back. We're bringing on back to Take Me Home Tonight. We've we've, right. done, we've done the drive angry. All right, this film, Take Me Home Tonight, is directed by Michael Douse, who has done uh, or no, I think that's how you say his name. If I if it is, I apologize, sir. Uh, he's done Goon, Eight Bit Christmas, and Stuber. With the exception of Stuber, I actually like Goon and Eight Bit Christmas. Eight Bit Christmas, I think you would like. It's you like, told me that I got to watch it. Maybe yeah, it, when it comes back around, it's out. It's a uh, I'm pretty sure well, it's I mean, on, it's on when Disney this Plus. Comes out, it is the season. I mean, yeah. like the season, but oh, you have to get when in the this mood. Comes out, it is yeah. the season. I got you. I can't watch something that's not Christmas field, in, not in uh, Christmas time. I don't like watching Christmas is coming way too early. This year they put Christmas stuff at the beginning of August with the Halloween stuff. Oh yeah, no. Cos- I know. Costco literally put out all their trees in the front. Yeah, but- in the. <laughs> The second week of August. Well, good luck with that because no one can afford anything. So congratulations. <laughs> we'll, we'll get it on the clearance. Uh, screenplay was Jackie Philco and Jeff Philco is a writing team. Uh, they've done the TV show That 70s Show. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. They also did the TV show Man with a Plan and the movie Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Uh, this story was by Topher Grace and Gordon Kaywin. Grace, uh, these are they're their only credits. So they must have just came up with the idea and gave it to Phil Philco's. Uh, and, you know, the, the rest is history. Cinematographer was Terry Stacy, who's done Adventureland, Den of Fees, and American Splendor. Composer was Trevor Horn for Coyote Ugly and the movie Toys, which is a forgotten takeover film we did with uh, The Pint and John Amenta. So I don't know if it's Correct. out by now, but uh, they, that, that is coming out or it's, it's out now. So go take a listen. Edited <laughs> by Lee Haxel, who's done Crazy Stupid Love, The Dukes of Hazard, and Beer Fest. And then produced by Sarah Bowen, Ryan Cavanaugh, and Jim Whitaker Bowen. Has produced The Ridiculous Six, Bright, and Beasts of No Nation, all Netflix films. Kavanaugh has done 310 of Yuma uh, and McGruber, two films that we did. And Jim Whitaker has done Eight Mile and A Wrinkle in Time. So this movie stars Topher Grace as Matt Franklin. Obviously, we already mentioned his name. Uh, He is in the TV show That 70s Show and the TV show Home Economics. And he's also, he plays David Duke in Black Klansman, which uh, I recommend because he's actually pretty good in that. Uh, And the movie's pretty good. Anna Ferris is Wendy Franklin, his twin sister She's from the TV show Mom, the movie Scary Movie, and the movie The House Bunny. Dan Fogler as Barry Nathan, that is uh, Matt's friend, Matt's best friend. You might He might look familiar because you might have been watching the Fantastic Beasts trilogy because he's in that. He's also in Fanboys and Balls of Fire. Teresa Palmer as Tori Frederick King, which is a terrible last name mm-hmm. for this movie, but uh, she plays the uh, love interest of Matt. She's in I Am Number Four, Point Break, the remake Point Break, not the not the good one, and Triple Nine. Chris Pratt is in this. Butler, Chris Pratt is in this. This is our first yes, Chris Pratt is. film. I believe it is. Yes. Yes. We, we, oh no, we, he was in Wanted. He's the douchebag friend in Wanted. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Hey, guess what? He's a douchebag in this too. Yep. <laughs> he is in the Jurassic World trilogy. He's obviously in Guardians of the Galaxy trilogy and he showed Parks and Recreation. He's uh, everyone I'm sure knows who Chris Pratt is, uh, but they may not know who Michael Bean is, who plays Bill Franklin, Matt and Wendy's father. He's from How Alien. dare you not know who I know, right? Bean is? Get out of this podcast. <laughs> my note about my note in when watching this about Bean is like, I, I always like Michael Bean and everything he's in. And I like him in this. <laughs> My note for Michael Bean is just all caps. Michael Bean. <laughs> no. uh, he's an aliens terminator and the abyss. Uh, and then you had a bunch of people that are not really leads, but they're in there. You had Lucy punches Shelly. Who's the girl that keeps wanting to hook up with Matt, but then she ends up hooking up with the other guy. Uh, she's in bad teacher and into the woods. You had Michelle Trachtenberg as Ashley. Who's the goth girl that Barry kind of, um, 
hangs out with at the end. She's in Harriet the Spy and the TV show Buffy the Vampire Slayer. She played Dawn, the, the, the sister that you know suddenly appears in season four or season four? Season four, yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Five? Four. Four. No, four. You're right. Dimitri Martin, who plays Carlos, he's the gentleman in the wheelchair who uh, is works at Goldman Sachs, and he right he works at Goldman it's, Sachs. He works yes. at Goldman Sachs. Yeah, His yeah. character is one of my favorites in the, the movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he may look familiar because he's in other movies, but he's also a comedian. Uh, Michael Ian Black plays has a little bit of a role here as uh, the boss of uh, Tory Frederick King as Peter Baring. He's in the TV show Stay and Wet Hot American Summer. You see Bob Odenkirk for a hot second there as Barry's boss uh, from the yep. movie Nobody and Better Call Saul. A- Angie Everhart, for those uh, people who remember Angie Everhart back from the Bordello of Blood days and, and earlier, plays the woman that wants to have sex with Barry uh, while her, I guess, I guess that's her husband or porn her, producer watches. Her compatriot. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and her then, partner. <laughs> I didn't see her. I couldn't find her because I, I didn't see it. Jennifer Goodwin's in this as Banky. That's her nickname. That's her name. But I couldn't find oh, okay. her. And I'm wondering if her yeah. scene got cut or she's in the background somewhere. But uh, her, yeah. she's from a TV show Big Love and Win a Date with Tad Hamilton. Okay. So uh, well, you had never gone. Uh, go, go Buffy ahead. is season five of okay. Michelle Trachtenberger Pierce. So I was close. I was close. Yes. You had never seen this film before, right? No, I had not seen this film. You never heard of it or you never seen it? Oh, no, I heard of it. We had it at the theater. I just never okay. ended up seeing it. So I'm going to guess that you thought it was okay, that it wasn't as funny as it should have been. It sounds like a lot of projection on your part. No, 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 uh, no, no. I like I it. Actually, but... I actually thought the movie's really funny, but I think the story is super cliched. Of course. But it, it goes by on the fact that it it is pretty funny. It's it's a pretty funny movie. Uh, I think the note somebody asked me about it on Instagram when I put because we post you know what we're watching, uh, because we're we're uh, attention whores and uh, <laughs> and uh, somebody asked me what they I thought about it because they hadn't I guess they never got to it and I was like it's paint by numbers it's it is you know it's a paint by numbers story. There's nothing really I I didn't laugh. I laughed out loud maybe a couple times I smiled uh, throughout it but. It's got some heart, so I don't, you know, it, it's a story that I've never, I've not heard before, but I enjoy, I like Topher Grace, so he plays it well. I like uh, right. Dan Fogler. Like, I like the, I like the actors in it and the characters, so, so I'm okay. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't a waste of time. Like, some movies are just kind of like, I wasted my time watching that. It, this didn't feel like that. And uh, I that, feel like you're a little more down on the movie than you were. When no, not at all. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not down. I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's, you know, a comedy, uh, a comedy gem that should be revered for ages upon ages. But I do think a lot of people overlook this and missed it. That has a lot to do with behind the scenes stuff. I don't know if you want to get into that now or you just want to get into first thoughts. What would you like to do? Whatever you want to do. I'm asking you. That's the whole point of the back and forth. (laughs) Well, I guess we should go over like the background because it's going to inform maybe like. Sure. Other stuff we talk about. So let me see. Let me let me find that note here. Cause what ended up happening was the the movie. I'm trying to figure out where to go. So they did the movie. The movie they, they make the movie and the company that made the film, uh, they 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 basically cut it up. They, because there was too much, they thought that there was too much drug use in the film. Am I right? That's accurate, right? Am, am I saying that right? That's pretty, yeah. They, yeah. they did. 
so that they and then well once they kind of cut it up i guess they really didn't like it and they shelved well, it for grace didn't think yeah that yeah it wouldn't be the 80s without heavy cocaine use because that's the 80s right so, so then yeah they, yeah they shelved it for four years yeah so they made this in 2007 they shot this um i don't know when i don't know when that 70s show was was like when that ended or when that started i don't i didn't i, only I think want, this was by the time he's left the show so it towards the end left yeah yeah i mean i watched some of that 70s show i never stayed with it because uh, i just never yeah so 98 it started so yeah you're right so this is probably towards the end so then it got shelved it just sat there they didn't know what to do with it and then relativity came in a rogue came in and they purchased it um for 10 million dollars they bought the film for 10 million and then what ended up happening was you see that imagine entertainment uh came on and kind of kind of took the project and kind of like helped out but and they put all the most of the drug stuff back into the film so the, the so the one thing i appreciate about this film is that it's rated r uh that probably didn't help it box office wise but i do appreciate it, it's rated r it comes out what 2011 98 99 so you're talking like four or five years four, three or four years after that 70 show ends and so you know, Topher Grace is a, is a TV star at that point. I don't know maybe if he could, if audience movie audiences are going to this, you know what I mean? Because he's in it. I don't think, yeah, he's got that movie star power. Yeah. So, I like and then him. Just, and I like him yeah. in this movie, but I think that the drug stuff doesn't help it get a wider audience. But I, at the same time, I don't think you can have this movie if you don't have the drug stuff. Not only because, yes, that's a symbol of the 80s, but it fuels so much of the story. Mm -hmm. So I can see how whatever cut up version was probably unwatchable. Yeah. Maybe they just didn't want it released. You know what I mean? Like they were just like, I'd rather just have it sit there and rot rather than Warner brothers it and take the tax. Right. (laughs) Right. But this wasn't a movie that was shelved because of, you know, an executive was ticked off about something. It was like, I'm not going to release this. It wasn't like it, it was, it was almost like it, you know, just kind of got forgotten and just was, everyone's just like, eh, it's not, you know, like dragging your feet because like I said, maybe they thought it would just, it would look bad if they released it with the studio cut because it's not their movie. And right. You know, maybe it would do worse than it did now. This is one of those films that I, I think that the box office is, is, how it performed is not indicative of how decent the film is because there are worse films. There are worse put together films, you know, story wise that sure do much better than this film. And that's, I, I couldn't, I couldn't sit here and tell you why just, it just is what it is. I don't think the release date helped it. I mean, we're really getting into why it's forgotten at the beginning. Right, stop <laughs> it then. Stop the that. End. But yeah, I, I think that there are factors that like, March is now like the beginning of summer movie release season. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let, it's, let, it's let, weird why they did that. Let's yeah. cut that conversation off then. Okay. <laughs> so what's the first thing that, what did, what's something that you really liked in the film? Let's put it that way. Uh, Give me one thing. I really liked, what's his name? I like Dan Fogler or Fogler. Oh, Barry, Barry Nathan. I like Barry. I like the character Barry. He was fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's one of the best parts of Fantastic Beasts. I like his character. I like, I like his acting style. I like his comedic chops. Uh, so I like that. I also like the Matt and, Fr- and Wendy brother sister angle. I think that's well done. Although there's not a lot of it. It kind of 
cuts well, after the first half. Well, now that you mentioned that, let me ask you this question. When they show up at the party and they go to this party, she goes to Kyle's party, which is Wendy's boyfriend. So mm-hmm. when he first shows up, Kyle looks at Matt and goes, Matt Franklin, you made it. And it's like he doesn't know that that's his girlfriend's twin brother. That's what I felt like. He's not acting like he knows this person. I had the same question. I was like, and then he's like, "What? Get your hot ass up there!" And it's like, and then they kind of like kiss, and I'm like, oh, so that is her boyfriend that she was talking about? Yes, because he almost didn't know who Matt was. Like, right? I thought that I had the same th- thing. Like that was really weird and awkward. And did they mention where she went to college? No. So she's going to trying to go to grad school. That's her whole the Wendy's thing is that she wants to go to grad school in Cambridge, which is, you know, and and Kyle would rather just oh man. Kyle has that terrible line when she's crying in the bathroom and he's like, What's wrong? Oh, please say you missed your period. I'm like, oh my God. Oh, yeah. Like like <laughs> like just out and out saying I want to trap you. Like, you know, like that that kind yeah. of idea. I'm just like, oh dude. Because I don't want my baby bird to leave the nest. Yeah. Oh, he's so <laughs> pathetic. But um What's sad is that I've, I know people like that. Well, I knew people like that. Not now. Um, and so I, I don't, I, I, they never like, so are we supposed to think that she stayed home and went to, went to college locally with Kyle in the same college? Um, Matt went to MIT, but, but you know, doesn't know what he wants to do now. They all, they, you know what I mean? They're, they're back after their four years of college and I, I just don't know the relationship in terms of Wendy, Matt and Kyle. I don't, I don't know if, if they know, I don't know if that was initially in the, cause I was waiting to read a note that the script was changed. I was right waiting to read something like that. Like, Oh, the script has changed. They were brothers, but now they're not like a cursed note. Like we had back when we did cursed and forgotten horror. Like they just, you know, so, but we didn't. So then probably I probably a couple of uh, deleted scenes. I mean, why is he wearing a cast? They never mentioned that. Yeah. I just assumed Pratt broke his arm or something before the movie. Maybe. Where was the decision? Wouldn't it be cool if I had a broken arm? Maybe. I mean, you could say that he has a broken arm, so he doesn't, he can't ride the ball. And that's why he's trying to get people to ride the ball. But he never says that. That's never brought up. It's true. So I don't know. So, yeah. So that was my question when you, when you, that, that. We were talking about Wendy and Matt. So go ahead. You were continuing about how you like the characters. I, I like the characters. I think that even though it's all rote and it's all way overdone and generic, uh, the characters make it more watchable. I like Topher Grace in this role because like, it was so stupid for him to come right out of the gate. I, I get why you do it with Spider-Man 3 and playing Eddie Brock. He's just, <sighs> it's, you, it's, that's not his character. Uh, but watching him play this slightly more adult cooler version of his character from that 70s show. I thought that fit him really well. I was like, he's a much more likable because in that 70s show, he's, he's not very likable. He's uh, like, I know Eric Foreman's supposed to be the main character, but you watch it for everybody else. Uh, and he's got a couple of funny lines. But- well, he's the straight guy in that show. He's the one that everyone. Yeah. You know, but he's also the have, have, weeb. Yeah. I know, but everyone can have fun around him. And he's got to yeah. like hold that straight line kind of thing. Yeah. True. And in he this, can't he gets, have fun. In this, he gets to have a little bit more fun. Yeah. He gets to be the cool guy occasionally. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not stuck in one pigeonhole. Obviously, he's the loser that still works at the video store and can't figure out what he wants to do with his life. But he's not a complete, you know, loser mm-hmm. as, you know, most movies and TV shows depict losers. So I, he, I like yeah. that characterization. And you don't get that sense 
you, you don't really get the sense of what he was like in high school, except from the opening uh, uh, credit sequences, because you see his picture in, in, in the, in the yearbook uh, from his high school yearbook. Cause he graduated what is like 83, 84. Cause this is supposed to be like 88, 89. Yeah. It's 88. Yeah. yeah. So, but when he shows up to the party, you would expect to get somebody to say to him, you know, Hey nerd or whatever, like somebody like to rip on him, except that just the one time that his buddy, Carl's the character in the wheelchair. Right. Um, yep. When he shows up and he, and he talks, well, you're like the smartest guy. No, that's the only time you get to know anything about what Matt was like in high school. Um, you also get that he was also a chicken in high school that he didn't do the seven minutes in heaven thing. He chickened out. Everyone was that. Who isn't a chicken in high school half the time? You, you know what I mean? Well, but that's still you. says something Not about you. his character. No, no, I got you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I just, you, it's tough. It's like, it's trying to, it seems like it's trying to mine that high school reunions type stuff or going back to high school, but, but not, not, not overtly enough. So we can't, we get this like nebulous area where we're like, we don't know which way to go. I'm cool with them that dwelling on high school. That's more realistic. I hate things that dwell on high school so much. Like it was overly important. Like I can't remember half a high school. Like it's just once you grow up to most people, except for losers who can't, stop but living in the past it's it, it was a thing it happened but most people talk about their experiences that happened afterward mm-hmm. um so I, i'm okay with that and that's not the focus of this this movie is supposed to be a book about what he's going to do going forward mm-hmm. not what he did in the past well the whole basis of the film the whole crux of the the whole crux of the character's dilemma is best summed up when his father's talking to him in the back of the squad car when they, after they crash the car and he's telling, he's telling him, just take a shot, any shot, do you know, something, f- yeah. do something. And even if you fail at it, fail at it. Just, but you gotta, you're, you're just not doing anything. And it's like, it's a great, it's a great piece of advice. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? And that, and so, you know, that, that scene was really good. That scene was really well done. I like, I, I really like Michael Bean. He's one of those actors. And we talk about all the time who, when he's in something, it's just, it's very easy to believe the character like it's i don't i don't see the acting let me put it that way that's probably best Absolutely, yep. yeah so that scene right there sums it up he's just big matt doesn't know what he wants to do he's scared to take a chance on anything you know so you know that that's the whole crux of his problem but the problem is that we don't get that until that scene in the place in the cop car you know what i mean we we, we don't get any of that notion we just get Matt's just like, eh, I'm just at Suncoast. I'm just doing this. I'm just kind of floating well, around. You, you, you get a little bit of that. You get when he tells her like, oh, I did because before that he tells her that he knew all of it. He's just a loser. He made it all up, uh, except for he doesn't tell her, obviously, the Golden Sacks thing. Mm-hmm. He's like, I remember you were my crush in high school, blah, blah, blah. I'm such a loser. You know, I just messed everything up. Get away from me before I ask you to dance and I slam you into the wall. Oh, right, uh, right. So you do get you do get moments of that, that he's just kind of stuck and not doing anything. And he has a conversation with his parents at dinner before the party as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What did you think of the, the Frederick King character uh, played by Teresa Palmer? Uh, what did you think about her character, uh, Tori? She's OK. She's. She has like no arc. Too, she's got no arc. She's like too good to be true the entire way through. You don't get this. Obviously, she has like. Oh, I hate my job. I just can't figure out what to do. And it's like just to get that connection with mm-hmm. uh, Topher Grace's character, but like Matt's character or Matt. But other than that, like you don't get 
any sense of who she really is other than that she's just like the dream girl. Like she's just this perfect girl. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I'm, I'm going to make an analogy. I'm going to make an analogy. And this is a high school film. So uh, bear with me. Uh-huh. I think of her. I think of what her character arc is. Like, I, I think I know what her character arc would be, but they just don't outline it. And I think it's the same character arc like Jake in 16 Candles, where he's the popular guy. And everyone's like, his girlfriend's falling over. He just doesn't want to deal with this. He doesn't want to deal with anything. He's trying to look for something. Granted, he's like Smalley Ringwald in that, obviously. And he's trying to go for it. But like, you can sense right. that he's not, he's over the whole popularity stuff, the whole popularity thing in 16 Candles. He just, he's, he's tired of all that, the, the bullshit. I sense that like, that's kind of her character arc four years away from four years away from college, uh, excuse me, high school done with college. She goes back to see all these high school people and she's just not the same person and she's tired of it. It's a, it's, it's a stretch of an analogy, but that's where I vision it. That's where I kind of think about what her character arc would be as she's grown up and she's grown out of this. And, and the, cause the guy she's talking to, he's like, Oh, you got to come see my, uh, what is this? Like my chalet or whatever, my villa. Yeah. But, you know what I mean? He's still, he's a, he's a bro. He's still a douche. Right. That's kind of where I, I see her, but they never, they don't, they don't ever have that arc in the story. Yeah, exactly. I think you're, you're writing character bits in for a character that wasn't that well thought out. <laughs> no, I understand that. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying that that might've been, that's the sense I got. And, and maybe that was stuff they talked about when they started writing the script, but they never put it in. And I agree with I mean, you. Yeah. I mean, you definitely get that. She was like, he asked straight up, would you have ever gone out with me in high school? And she just mm-hmm. says straight up. No. Mm-hmm. But she does still have, I think, a little bit of that popular girl left in her. Like the three girls leave the club, like that party, and be like, "Do you want to go to the other ritzier party?" And she's like, "Oh yeah." So I think there's yeah. still a little bit of that in her. Uh, I'll tell you this: I can't remember what movie we were talking about. It's like forever gone, forgotten cinema. But it's another one of those unrealistic uh, relationships where it's not going to work out unless he gets his act together and and. She still oh, right. works for a super bag. She's still super rich and he's still a bum. It's it's not going to work out between the two. You're of talking them. about the one we were talking about. The, the whatever talking what, about? you're talking whatever what you're saying right now, you're talking about whatever movie we're speaking about. We're talking about previously. it might yeah, it might have been collateral with the with Jada Pickett Smith's like super rich lawyer and his kind of bum taxi cab driver who also doesn't want to take a chance and open mm-hmm. a single company. Mm-hmm. Like that relationship, you're just two completely diametrically opposed people mm-hmm. like it's not like opposites attract it's like <laughs> worse than that that's like in speed I, that's like in the movie speed when she talks about how two people shouldn't get together during the oh, an intense situation because yeah, they never last and then he doesn't last in speed too yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, yeah that's a classic that's a classic uh romantic comedy trope though so. sure uh, i don't i don't see that here though do you see that in this movie that they won't oh, stay yeah. Oh really? I didn't. Okay. Oh yeah. He still works at the video store. He still has no prospects. Well, she I think already he, has her bank job. But I think that you're. See now, I think that what you're going to find out, what you get when he flips over the card, that he's going to go travel. He's going to go somewhere. Like, I get I that, think, which also I, means he's not staying with her. <laughs> no, true. But he's got to find himself. I hear you. Maybe. Yeah. But maybe that's not what it's about. Maybe it's not. It's just about him. Yeah, you got to take chances. Exactly, or or just do something, move forward, like constantly That's moving true. forward. All right. 
You know what I mean? But I, either way, it's a, it's his movie, obviously. So mm-hmm. it's, and, and that's the other thing we're talking about Tori. Let's talk about Wendy because Wendy's, I felt so underwhelmed with her, with her arc because she doesn't get into Cambridge. She mm-hmm. breaks up with Kyle, which is great. And then that's, <laughs> and then it's like, that's it. Like she, there's nothing about her. Like, I think this movie would have been stronger if it was more, if it was more focused on the ensemble on the a little bit. Cause they even gave Barry something. They even had Barry figure he's going to go back to college. Like that's the idea you got. That yeah. He was you get go a lot of Barry. School. You don't get enough with Wendy. Yeah. But again, the movie's really short. So mm-hmm, I, true. I, I wouldn't have minded being a little longer to give Wendy some more stuff. I mean, it's Anna Ferris. You can give her some comedy stuff to do. She's got chops. So I was really underwhelmed by Wendy as well. She just kind of appeared in scenes to get through her arc that they gave her, which mm-hmm. is nice. They gave her an arc, but I almost wonder if it would be better suited not to have her in it at all. Like if you're not going to really focus on her, do you need a Wendy character? Yeah. Why have the twin sister angle? Like what is that? angle? That's just to have that subplot of Kyle and her. Yeah. Okay. I mean, why couldn't you just make Tori though? Combine Wendy's elements with Tori, and that that kind of like that's part of the main plot. Like Tori's still like the whole thing with Matt and Tori, but instead of Tori's with Kyle, and he wants her to stay home, like that kind of thing. Like why not yeah. just intertwine the two plots so that you now you give your female lead just as much as a of a character arc as your male lead. Correct. Yeah. And it's two people that have to find out what they want to do with their lives. Like, why not do that? That would that makes more sense. Yeah, yeah. That would have been perfect. So we did rewrite this film, <laughs> <laughs> but again, I like the film that we got. I enjoyed like a lot of the moments, you know, are you finding more problems with it now in your second watch? Uh, no, one? I, I just, even on my first watch, I knew it wasn't perfect. Um, it's not a perfect film. It's flawed story wise and it's flawed. Um, but like there are moments in the scene, there are moments in this, in the movie that, that I enjoy, like the dance off when Barry dances off the against dance the, off is awesome. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, um, the whole thing, like even the, even the whole sidebar with him and Angie Everhart and like, she's like, so basically he, um, they're going to make out in this bathroom, but like her husband's going to watch. And I'm just like, he's just like, stay there. Just stay there. What are you doing? Yeah. What are you, what is he doing? He's like talking to her. What do you, what is he doing? Do you want do you, what? How close is too close? I don't want to fucking touch me. Yeah. Yeah. This is not working for you. No, it's not working for me. <laughs> <laughs> but then I think my, my note there too was like, you're at a party and you see a guy in all leather. Something's like, come on. You don't yeah. think something's going on? Um, you know, as soon as he I, walked in, you should have been like, uh, uh, um i love the stuff with the uh i couldn't stop i always laugh at the moment when he's got the cocaine and um he does it for the first time and he gets and he doesn't get half he doesn't get it and like he does the cocaine he goes all over his face (laughs) and he's just like great just just great like he's just all like flip it's just such a small moment it's just like oh fine just just really cool barry way way to go i got the bad stuff (laughs) (laughs) oh and then he comes out yeah no it's he's he he remind obviously i told you this off air but obviously he that that moment and when we first meet him reminds me big time of a friend of ours so and i and that's with love so he doesn't (laughs) listen to the podcast so who cares um Um, 
<laughs> Please, none of my friends do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. So I like that moment. Uh, obviously, the ball moment is a good. I don't know if I brought that up already, but that moment's a, a decent moment. Yep. Somewhat. It, I, I I always imagined that moment longer, but it wasn't. It's always shorter. So it than I anticipated. But yeah, no. I like when he throws up into his own nose because he's spinning. <laughs> yes. <It's> like, oh. <laughs> the moment when he kind of tells, not tells off, but distracts uh, Tori's boss with the number when he's talking about how you, know, you, you, you know, transfer yen to, you know, to, oh, that's a good monologue. I like yeah. it because you can kind of tell, like he's trying to figure out what he's trying to say as he says it. Yeah. And then it gets, gets into the math. So he doesn't know what he's trying to say. And then once numbers start flying, he's good at it. Yeah. And you I like all of Carlos. I was going to say, you, yeah, yeah. Carlos's lines just, uh, it's like, <laughs> my life's no different. I'm pretty much the same guy. I have stronger opinions about Hills now because <laughs> he's in a wheelchair because he got hit by a drunk driver. Yeah. It's like, whatever, man, I'm living my dream. I thought you wanted to play professional baseball. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Could you guys move? I'm trying to party here. <laughs> no, nah, it, was, it was funny. It was, it was funny. His stuff's awesome. I like uh, the one of the lines I liked was when um, they walk in the party and he, and Matt's got the, those glasses on his, his sunglasses on. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, like, why is he wearing sunglasses? Then you just hear the guy in the background. Nice shades, asshole. So, <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at the same thing. I was like, oh, thank God someone says something. <laughs> the uh, one of my notes, too, is uh, the 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 super awkward moments that Matt has when he first talks to Tori or when he's trying to talk to the group and he's like they go, he's i was like butler must love this i hated that i hated that <laughs> as soon as i read i was like if this is this gonna be the movie is this oh my god i hate this <laughs> like uh i hate awkward moments uh, it's so awkward because everyone's been there in their conversation where they're like they don't know if like in a party like am i supposed to still be here was i supposed to walk away <laughs> It's just like, uh. <laughs> I was like, oh, Butler must hate this. Hate this. I was not a fan of those moments. So did you see the alternate titles for the film? No, I did not. Okay. So it was going to be called Young Americans. Yeah. Then that, that 80s movie, like, come on. Oh, dude. No, that would have been <laughs> awful. And then finally Kids in America. I mean, I hate that too. Yeah, I know. But Take did, me they, home even, tonight did they even play Take Me Home Tonight in the movie? Uh, I know they did in the trailers constantly. Yes, the trailers, yes. I don't think it's in the film. I, I don't think it's in the film. That's no. I can remember. Yeah. <laughs> but it was playing in the back of my head the entire time. So it might have, and I just didn't notice because it was oh, I mean, already in my head. It's a good song. The, also, that cocaine bag is bottomless. Oh yeah, I was thinking the whole time. I was like, "That was not a big thing of cocaine," and he has spilled it like four times already. Yeah, but I mean, but at that point, I was like, "Whatever, I don't care. It's fine." Because <laughs> I like when he's, I like when Barry starts smoking, and uh, Matt's like, "Oh, you're smoking now." He's like, "Hey, man, when it rains, it pours." It and he's pours. Just- <laughs> I like right after when he tries to do the uh, the hand thing. Hey, man, come on, brother, let's go! And, and he just keeps touching. Matt's hand and Matt's finally like, what, what do you get off of me? <laughs> hey, ladies, looks like I'm driving with you. Uh, no, I've got cocaine. Can I ride in the back with you? 
Uh, did you like the whole dialogue about the boo power dialogue when they were talking? Uh, uh, right. I like, I like that they go back to it. They reference it back. Oh, uh, when she uh, takes off her shirt. Yeah. So I thought that was good. I thought that I, I always like it when they tie back, tie things back together. Um, did you notice the white Zinfandel? Call no. Back? No, go ahead. So remember at the very beginning of the movie where he hands that the first mature lady he's sitting on the the Art of War book? Yes. And he's like, we could talk. Maybe we'll sip some white Zin. So later on in the movie, when they first get to the, the bank party, the first glass he takes is a glass of white Zinfandel. And he takes a sip and he immediately spits it back into the glass because <laughs> he finds it disgusting. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Good stuff. Nice. <laughs> I... I'll tell you something that I I don't like. Um, I don't love, I don't, not that I don't like it. I don't love, like I'm not like in love with, I don't love the speech that Matt gives before he goes into the ball. Uh, I, I just generic. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I was like, I don't, you don't need to be saying any of this. Um, it seems forced. It seems put upon. And it's like, this just doesn't stop. This doesn't, this doesn't, this feels completely different from what the rest of the movie is doing. I didn't it's, like that speech. It's classic 80s, though, having that like super sure. saccharine, lame speech at the end of the movie. Like, it I just feel doesn't like feel organic, some, like, I guess. Sort of, oh, not at all. Yeah. But does it really in 80s movies? Uh, like what it's movie? Like, give me, give me, give me an example so I can kind of have a reference point. I just think any 80s movie, like The Breakfast Club comes to mind when they're writing the letter. Um, yeah, but that's like a voiceover. How about this? The weird science moment um, when they stand up to the bullies in the end. Yep. Yeah. But that's see, that seems organic. That's within the scene. They're reacting to something that's happened. He just goes up to get in the ball. He's like, you know, I'm doing this. Like, shut up, dude, get in the ball. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how much money Kyle made from uh, him actually getting in the ball. Well, Cause Kyle's, everybody's putting their money and not doing it. Kyle's <laughs> getting fined. I mean, if I, I don't, I know that I know this is the eighties, but like no one you called can't, the cops at all. You can't, you can't. <laughs> no, they did because they go investigate the ball in the water. That's when he finds Matt's oh, after the ball falls but in the still, water. Though. Yeah, but still, I know that. it's the eighties, uh, uh, but you, you're getting in trouble for that. You can't do that. Crush like three cars doing <laughs> yeah. it too. Like it's, and then the next day you just see the guy walking his dog, and everyone's outside. It's like you, 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 you what can't, happened here? Somebody's you didn't hear anything. The cops are driving by. <laughs> <laughs> apparently he's really rich though because it's like kyle's gonna be in charge of six of the franchises or something like that so i guess i don't know with maybe his pop he paid collar. off the neighbors well, well, nice. i feel like there's oh they all the pop collar the two friends that might be gay who you only get like one line love, about it i love that Did you guys make out yet what <laughs> you just i feel like there's character stuff that's like kind of cut out like even stella like her character doesn't make much sense at all she just kind of pops up and like flirts with uh matt and then comes back again and go oh, i'm so sorry matt it's like i feel like her character had more maybe oh you're talking about shelly Sh- uh, i said Shelly. Yeah, I mean yeah. yeah 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 i just feel like maybe there was more there that we didn't get to yeah well i mean i think about other movies that i think about reunion films mostly like romeo and michelle um, or, or shows movies that have those smaller characters and they, and they just, they're, they just do a little bit better to flesh them out or like uh, beautiful girls um, ensemble films, ensemble yeah. films that don't have the, 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 obviously the focus is on one or two characters, but the other characters are fleshed out a little bit better. I think you're right. I think this one, this should have been an ensemble film. I think this one 
is doesn't know. It feels like it doesn't know if it's an ensemble piece or it's just about Matt. Yeah. And, well, you know what I mean? With a decent amount of Barry. I just feel like it well, should Bar- be an ensemble film, but it thinks it's super bad. But see, like I can see like no, I'm I'm guessing, obviously, but I can see like Barry stuff is in there because he's funny. And they're like, this is funny. We need to keep this in the movie. Sure. And I think that's why Barry's in there a lot. Although if you took away all that drug stuff, you have no Barry. Well, you, that's the thing. You need the drug stuff for the Barry. You need the drug stuff for the movie. <laughs> well, that's the whole point. <laughs> I love the, like, I know Wendy doesn't get a lot to do, but I do love when, uh, when they're about to steal the car. And I'm just like, oh my God, this went off the rails real quick to this night. Uh, and then she locks when Matt tries to run back into Wendy's car to get out when the alarm goes off on the car dealership. She's like, you pussy, get back in the game. <laughs> she makes him go back and steal the car. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was a really cool moment. How about when they're singing the the song? Uh, singing straight out of Compton. Oh. You know what I'm going to tell you? You know what I'm going to ask you? What? Well, they, 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 they say the N word twice. They're singing the song and they sing it in the song. They're both singing to each other and they're saying it. Are they singing to each other? Yeah. Did I miss that? I knew it was playing. Oh, you know why? Cause I immediately took out my, um, my phone and tried to find out when, when, uh, straight out of Compton came out. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, they sing in the song like, to each this other. Is 1988. Okay. They're singing it to I, each other. I, and I always remember. The f- I don't know if it was the first episode of Scrubs, but the episode of Scrubs that starts off where JD's trying to ask um, Turk. K- Turk about what if it's in a so no, oh, and he's yeah. like, yeah, I, I always <laughs> remember that. I think that, but yeah, there's the they're singing whatever. It's it is what it is. But I just I I, I wanted to bring it up. I didn't want to not bring it up. But um, yeah. <laughs> and then Topher Grace goes on to play David Duke. He plays him really Yelling. well too. I always I I. Love the story of of Black Klansman when he goes to Spike Lee and he's telling him like I'm really having trouble playing this. Oh, this, I oh I don't want to do this. And, yeah, I don't want to do this. And Spike Lee's like, you're doing this. Be, uh, I, you know, you, you're doing it for the right reason. And and Spike Lee, I I love that story. Um, you have to go away and edit the Hobbit movie into one movie or something. Listen, like that, that, that yeah. but that's like I understand <laughs> that you put yourself into your role. It's gonna it's gonna bring up some demons that you got to just kind of like exercise. You know what I mean? Right. Yep. He called Topher Grace called Michael Bean personally to offer him the role because he liked aliens and Terminator. I saw that. Yeah. I mean, what better to have is your eighties dad than the, uh, the action hero of the eighties. Yeah. I know. Every man action hero. I know. I, I, I kind of wish Michael Bean was in more stuff. We need to put Me Michael too. Bean in more stuff. I mean, maybe he's a jerk or something. I don't know, but I know he, I thought sure he had uh, alcohol or drug issues and that I mean, well, took him out I, of the I, game for a while. I think so. I think he had some struggles, but I mean, come on. He's still, uh, well, we'll see. I don't know. Put him back in. I don't, I don't know that. I don't know enough to kind of say like, where is he not working? So who knows? Um, but uh, I'm always surprised uh, Michelle Trachtenberg isn't in more stuff. I don't know, man. Hollywood's a, a weird thing. Weird business. Yeah. She's just kind of so, like hot in like the early 2000s and then just went and like fizzled. Oh, I think she was in that Pretty Little Liar show. But I think that's kind oh, of like the end of where she kind of fizzled out. The new one or the, oh, the, the, the old the one, old the original? One. Yeah. Gossip World, not Pretty Little Liar. She's a Gossip Girl. Oh, oh, Gossip Girl. Yeah, no. I couldn't. And I kind of like, like kind of fizzled out after that. I'll give you some uh, critic quotes here. Peter Travers. 
of the Rolling Stone wrote that of Rolling Stone, not the Rolling Stone of Rolling Stone wrote that take me home tonight has just enough heart and retro party spirit to hold the line before familiarity breeds contempt. What do you think? Did familiarity yeah. breed it, bred contempt for you? <laughs> yeah. Cause there are so many movies that I've talked, we've talked about where I'm like, especially like comedies, romance movies, it's just wrote, it's just overdone the same story over and over again. And I think this one has enough heart and enough comedy from the characters that it was, I, I enjoyed it. It was, it was good. Unlike like, let's say project X, which I wasn't as big a fan of because I feel like they didn't bring enough to the table to make it not pedantic and just like overdone. This movie coasts by on its, on its charm and its characters. Mm -hmm. Although it does leave some in the dust. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I got one more for you. Okay. Colin Covert or Covert, not Covert of the Minneapolis, Minneapolis star wrote that the movie is a quote, winning rag bag of gags combining fast paced okay. physical <laughs> shtick with a clever script. There's romantic comedy, savvy period satire and jackass style stunts. Take me home tonight is a time capsule from the heyday of John Hughes and Cameron Crowe, a time when comedies allowed their characters to be human as well as humorous. Holy crap. This guy really liked this movie. Jackass style stunts. The ball. Okay. Pretty what much else? the ball. Yeah. Crashing the car and doing all That's the cocaine. Jackass style. That Jackass style is the ball. That's the ball he's talking about. Um, I don't disagree with anything in the review, except for maybe the reverence that he's holding the movie up to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do like that the movie, like, and you always talk about it, especially when you talk about stranger things and coasting on nostalgia and having too much nostalgia. I think this movie does nostalgia, right? Yes, agreed. I think that's something I noticed while watching the movie because that's something I purposely watched while watching the movie because, like, Field put this on the list. He it must be okay, like nostalgia wise. There's, gen- yeah, there's, find out, like, what there's it is. genuineness to that to the to the to the look. If it, what's funny is like they shot if they actually just throw a grain filter on there to make it look like an '80s film, like you know, like you know how you you know oh, when you watch like an older, older film, yeah, yeah. It, that you would it would feel that way that, that's what i always tell you about the tv show red oaks that's on prime video like that feels like pulled from the 80s and showing us right. now um which is not easy to do you know it's very authentic and very uh genuine but not easy to do as people may think because obviously when people think 80s and retro they just shove everything in there and you, oh exactly it, yeah or, or just have jokes about like things with the 80s like hey man Eight track tapes ain't never going nowhere. Yeah, yeah and no, shit, it's like, stuff yeah. like that. No one said that. But you don't get you don't get yeah. any of that shtick in this, which I really yeah. like. It just yeah. takes place in the eighties, and you could easily have taken this movie and put it in the nineties, the two thousands, or mm-hmm. or modern day. Like it doesn't have to have taken place in the eighties, which I really like. I remember getting laser discs because that's what that was what you had for DVD, and nobody ever turned to each other and said, "Man, laser discs are here to stay. These things are great." <laughs> nobody said that. Nobody could. I mean, it's just so stupid that that people would say stuff like that. But whatever. I remember Laserdisc being sold in the uh, Fye in the Trumbull Mall in uh, Connecticut, and going to like because it was a huge Fye. It was awesome that one, and like going to the Laserdisc section. It was so small and like compact, and like does anybody like? I'm always over there just looking at the cases because they're so weird. It's like they're giant record player CDs. Who buys these things? Oh, I bought them. I had yeah, over a hundred yeah. something. Well, that's what you bought back then instead of DVDs. You bought that. 
You would have bought them too if you were into if you were buying stuff. <laughs> and then I the people that had VHS and then DVD. Nah, and then the dread. Well, because VHS, you had to like, they were so expensive to buy when they first came out. You couldn't just go pick up a new movie. You had to wait to True. get to get them. Uh, to get, and like, then wait I remember Blockbuster didn't need 800 copies of it and then buy it at Blockbuster. Yeah. Then they would sell them after they basically they, they buy them. They buy each they buy each VHS or like DVD back in the day for like 100 bucks or however many they and they buy like, you know, 20 of them. And once they rent them out and it and it surpasses the you know, they're just making money after money when they if they keep renting them out, keep renting them out. But eventually if they don't rent right. them out, they sell them so they can they can finish them off. But regardless of that, there was such dread when you watched a laser disc and you and you had the laser rot and you had the little pink and red lines that were appearing on your screen, and that meant that your your laser disc was getting laser rot, and you and it, it was it, it was done, it was it was Damn. just yeah exactly, <laughs> and you would have to go get another laser disc. It's like what the well, I, f- I have some VHS copies that it wore out just because I watched it too many times. Sure. Yep. But now now we're dating ourselves. So uh, so you got any <laughs> other quotes you like in this film? Though before we uh, move on. I do have some other quotes, although I don't it. remember some of like where some of them appear, but I do like, uh, it's like having Rain Man on the floor, except you can touch him. <laughs> <laughs> Again, that's a Carlos quote. And then I like Matt's um, comment on Michael Ian Black's character, because he's always like takes the girls up to like see their tits or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, Supreme Court takes sexual harassment cases very seriously nowadays. <laughs> Took him for eight mil. Took him for eight mil. <laughs> I thought that was one. I mean, obviously, I like when Barry goes, gotcha, bitch. When he smacks the dance guy in the ball. <laughs> so, so uh, and then uh, I like the the line from the dad, where his partner, Michael Bean's partner character, when they've uh, after they crash the car, they let him go. We'll call this one a mulligan. Wait, you're just gonna let us go? You're just gonna leave the stolen car here? Relax, Matt. We're the LAPD. <laughs> 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 uh, w- one last note I had, and I want to know because I don't know if I if you heard this, uh, but I thought I heard this vaguely, and I think I heard it twice. When Matt first sees Tori, and then when Matt first sees her in the at the party, and then the second time when this happens is when they're on the trampoline, and she references it. She's she says, "What is that?" And he's like, "That's my heartbeat." Do you hear? Did you hear the heartbeat in the sound mix underneath the music? Oh no, not at all. When she says so, it the second um, time, I thought they were going to interrupt the kiss with the neighbors actually being home and yeah, stopping no. him. No, was I, there a heart? I, I think when he first sees her at the party and the music's playing, I think there is a faint heartbeat underneath the music. And you hear it. And then, because, and I was like, I don't know if that's, I was like, I think that's there. I'm not sure. But then when they reference it again on the trampoline and I, I could, I definitely thought I heard it there. That made me think, okay, yes, that was on purpose. And I thought that was a really cool little thing to do there. Okay. So I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, I have to go back. You'd have to go back and kind of like, you know, let me know. But um, I thought I heard it. I have to go back on my rental copy. Go get your I laser have a disc. Few hours left. <laughs> <laughs> so we were kind of bringing it up before, and then we kind of cut it off because it was we were kind of going backwards there. So why are we saying it's forgot? Uh, I don't think. Well, like we said, it was shelved for so long. Topher Grace's star had run, par, star power had run out. Uh, but I also think that it's got a bad release date. I mean, it's squished against two other movies that we did on the show. Uh, it's just. March now and even back 
in 2011. It's just now a time to begin your summer movie season almost. And I feel like this movie would be better suited for maybe closer to Labor Day weekend, maybe closer to that late, that late August or even a September release, something where there's no competition, where you might just want to go for a simple comedy. You, but you're not going to beat Matt Damon's new action thriller movie, you know, or um, Rango, you know, R- Rango, you know, people want to see Rango at the height of Johnny Depp's star power directed by Gore Verbinski and all the trailers had come out. You know, these are the movies that people are going to see over a movie that was shelved for four years, starring a guy from a TV show that hadn't been on the TV show for even longer than the show went off the air because he quit before it ended. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that's not helping it. And um, I feel like maybe it didn't go rated R enough to be raunchy enough. I feel like you could have pared this down to PG-13, although then, like we said, you got to cut some stuff out. But I feel like not, if you, you can't launched have it the, up, yeah. you get more, which you I think is the, the same thing scene. I said in Role Models. Yeah. Role Models, mm-hmm. reason super bad is better than Role Models in terms of like, it did better. It's just raunchier. And that's what people want in their comedies that rated our comedy. Uh, that's what you're, that's what's going to put butts in the seat. That's fair. I mean, this movie, maybe this film would have done better if it was in the 90s. But then you're talking about people from, oh no, if this movie was like around American Pie that time. You know, that style of comedy, even though that's that's raunchy, but it's got a lot more heart than raunch. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? So I think people think American Pie is like raunchier than it really is because they just yes, remember the pie. Scene, because really. of the pie one. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Oh, that movie's about a kid fucking a pie. Yeah, I know. We'll uh, see. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I can. That makes sense. I mean, I can't really put my finger on it, but maybe this just came out. I mean, even like a film like coming out, of, like even if it came out in 2007, I still think that's too. That that I, I probably would have had the same, maybe maybe have done some business, but not as much as they thought. I I think the four year gap didn't didn't hurt it because I just don't think I think this would have been what it was. I think maybe it just doesn't click with some people. I still think it's good. I still think it's worth a watch. I still think people should watch it. It's funny, yeah, yeah. I th- I think it's a good, it's a fun movie to watch. It's not, you know, but but I think maybe it's like ten years or ten fifteen years past when it should have come out. Like if it came out early, late, late nineties, I think it would have probably would have been not the same cast, obviously different cast. Yeah. Um, but, but the same style, I think it would have hit well. I think it would have hit better because I think audience, maybe audience tastes were just not into this. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I also think that we talk about like, there might be things cut from the movie or things should have been expanded that weren't expanded, which is why the people that did see it didn't go to their friends and go, Oh, you got to watch this movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It just and- was lacking. And to be fair, there's a lot of 80s nostalgia now, so maybe the the opposite could be true. Maybe this movie came out too early. Maybe this movie should be... That's also true. Maybe now. Like, maybe this is the time when it should have came out, because maybe it would have hit well. Um, this film probably would have done well if it was it was like on Hulu, like a Hulu premiere, or like an HBO Max premiere, like a oh, streamer yeah, I premiere. I feel like silly yeah. comedies like this definitely mm-hmm. are better. The other problem that hurts it is you can't stream it now. You gotta watch it on <laughs> Cinemax Go. Well, you can, you can HBO rent it. Max, you can rent it. Right. But no one's going to renting it. You got to see it on that, that little like top shelf kind of the, the slides. That's how you mm-hmm. know you want, you're going to watch hey, it. I mean, I know that, I know that we all, we always complain about renting films. I get it. Not, not me and you, but everybody, but it's like, you did it back in the day. You, you went to Blockbuster and Tommy K's or wherever video hut and video store and whatever video limit. 
and you rented movies then, what is the big deal to renting movies now? You've done it, it already. Cost, it cost me five dollars and eighty one cents. Why did that cost you five dollars? It was two ninety nine. Where did you rent it? I rented it for three ninety nine. With tax, it came to five something. Where did you and rent also, this? Uh, Xbox. Oh, the see, two ninety nine was two ninety nine was standard edition. No. Well, if if it was three ninety nine, fine. But I rented from Prime Video, and it was like two. I thought it was two ninety nine. It might have been two ninety nine for standard SD. No, I got HD. Maybe it was three. I don't. I mean, I don't know. But either if, way, if, I don't get the satisfaction a- of taking it and then putting it in my rewinder a- afterwards <laughs> and hearing go. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. Now you don't have to be kind and rewind. It's the same premise. <laughs> if if video stores are still around now, you you don't think you'd be paying five bucks? Of course oh, they would go. Yeah. I'd be paying, so, pay, pay, pay more. What, what are we bitching about here? We're doing the same thing we're doing all the time when we grew it's up. We're renting streaming, movies. Streaming has ruined everybody. Yeah. It's made <laughs> soft. <laughs> used to go to the video store and rent like three movies a week. <laughs> I want the new one. Oh, and then let me go through the old one. Or the, let, the, yeah, the let, me hit the, let me hit the uh, full moon uh, end cap and let me see. I'm getting some puppet masters. So let's go. Yeah. Sorry, is that just me? <laughs> no, no, no one's getting Doll Man. All right, never mind. I like Puppet Masters. I don't know, but Doll Man. Doll Man is Tim Thomerson. He's Doll Man. He's small, small guy. <laughs> okay. My God, don't you, you got to go back and look at full moon movies? They're just ridiculously. They're I ridiculously know Puppet great. Master. I love Puppet Master. Yeah, they've got more, dude. They've got plenty more. <laughs> <laughs> All right, where can they find us? You can find us at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com as we are part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. While you're there, check out all the other great podcasts and video content we have for you. They're all really good. Uh, it's not all just us, I promise. Uh, so check out that other stuff. And then wherever you're listening to us, like we see at the beginning, drop a like, rating, a subscribe. All that stuff helps the podcast grow. And then uh, join us on Forgotten Cinema's The Lobby and let us know what you think of Take Me Home Tonight or other 80s comedies that have come out after the 80s you know 80s place comedies that you might like and uh yeah and join us next week we're going to dreary old england to see to listen to some uh the, the dulcet tones and sounds of johnny depp singing and sweeney todd the demon barber of fleet street so that is next week this would have been a good forgotten horror movie butler that's not really a horror movie uh there's enough blood <laughs> <laughs> that's next week on the show uh, everyone have a great week i'm mike field i'm mike butler and this has been forgotten cinema <laughs>